This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey, cat lovers, welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and cat lover, and I'm owned by a cat named Scamper. Today I have with me Dr. Michael Dryden. Dr. Dryden is a parasitologist, which means he knows a lot about parasites, and he can give us the dirt on fleas and a whole lot of other creepy crawlies and things that you may not know are a risk to your cat. So we'll be right back with Dr. Michael Dryden after a word from our sponsors. Has your pet ever suffered from digestive issues, anxiety, or joint pain? We want to address these issues and more with high-grade CBD oil from Alpha, made specifically for your furry friends. Using Alaskan salmon oil as a carrier, Alpha Pet's 500 CBD oil is lab-tested for quality, consistency, and safety. Plus. We are giving Pet Life Radio listeners 25% off and free shipping with code PL25 for a limited time. So visit MyAlphaCBD.com slash dogs now. That's MyAlphaCBD.com forward slash dogs. Because your furry friends are family. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. And I'm here with Dr. Michael Dryden. Welcome, Dr. Dryden. Well, welcome. Thanks, thanks for calling me today. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, join you and your listeners out there. Well, I have heard you lecture, and I have learned a lot of things from you. So I was kind of hoping we could tap into your wisdom and teach my cat-loving listeners a little bit about parasites. So can you kind of give us a little bit of background on parasites and and why my listeners should know about those? Well, absolutely. You know, I think we often forget that cats get parasites sometimes just as commonly, and in some cases even more commonly than dogs do. And you know, and you know. Parasites, we've got fleas, we've got ticks, uh, we've got heartworm, we've got internal uh, intestinal parasites like groundworms and hookworms. All these can really be really harmful to these cats. And a lot of young kittens have get ear mites, which can really cause a lot of distress to these cats as well. So there's a, a whole array of parasites that cats can get access to that really can cause great harm and great distress to our cats. And I, I think it's really good to know about it and find ways to you know, protect these members of our family. So that's really why I want to learn about them, because I feel like knowledge is power. And and if my listeners know about them and we give them some tools that they can uh, use to kind of get rid of or protect their cats, that's why we're here. So fleas are, I guess you could say fleas are my favorite parasite or maybe the one that I love to hate because I see them the most often in my practice. So I kind of want to start with those. So fleas, they have a kind of an interesting life cycle, I think. And if you could explain the life cycle to us and why it's important, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I got to think about is, you know, the fleas are on our cats and they actually lay the eggs on that cat. People used to think they jumped off and laid their eggs in the cracks and crevices of the environment, but they really don't do that. Uh, At least not the fleas we find on our cats. 
So they're, they're on the cat running around. They're, you know, basically sucking blood and then they're laying eggs. And actually they can lay up to 40 to 50 eggs a day for each female flea that's on that animal. Those eggs then roll out of the hair coat into the environment. And a few days later, a larvae actually hatches out of that egg. The larvae crawls on the environment, feeding on uh, various organic debris. Then that larvae is going to spin a cocoon. It actually is a silk type cocoon, not actually not unlike a, a caterpillar would do. And inside that cocoon undergoes metamorphosis from the larva to the pupil to the adult flea stage. And then about two weeks later, that adult flea will then emerge out of that cocoon and jump back on our cats, feed almost immediately, and then start laying eggs in about 24 hours. So these are very, very rapidly growing organisms. It only takes about anywhere from two to three weeks to complete their life cycle. And they're just massive reproductive machines. Just think about that. That little flea is basically consuming blood off of that cat and then laying 40 to 50 eggs a day, which is twice her weight in eggs every day, which is really just pretty horrific if you think about it. That's amazing. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. So um, you said organic debris. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard in my exam room, my cat doesn't have fleas and my house is clean. But can you talk a little bit about what organic debris is and how no one's really immune to that? Oh, absolutely. Well, the debris that the larvae are feeding on the environment is, you know, everything from, you know, slough skin cells to any other, any other kind of, you know, crumbs or anything that might be in, the, in, in your carpet. But the primary thing they're actually feeding on is adult flea feces. You know, that adult flea is consuming blood and, you know, and making eggs. But a lot of that, that fecal matter is dropped into the hair of our pets, and we, we call that flea dirt. And then it falls out in the environment. And that's really what these flea larvae need to eat. They need to eat that debris. And you know, so that's really, really important. The other thing I think is also important is I spent my entire career, 30 years studying fleas. And that's why they sometimes refer to me as Dr. Flea. And we do a lot of in-home flea investigations. In fact, we do studies down in Florida just about every summer. And we see permanently indoor cats with fleas routinely. Even cats are on the eighth or ninth floor of an apartment complex have fleas. Because we will go outside ourselves. Fleas outdoors will jump on us. They'll hitch a ride back on our clothing, back into our apartment, jump off of us and onto our cats. So virtually no cat is immune. You know, people always talk about, well, you know, I live in a very nice neighborhood. I live in a gated community. You know, I, mean, I live in a really nice house. I can't hear fleas. Fleas don't care about your social economic status. They don't. All they care about is they're an animal in your home that they can suck the blood of and lay eggs. And I think we need to remember that because no one is immune from their cat getting fleas. Well, that's a really good point. I personally have dealt with fleas and they seem to like me just fine. So what can our caregivers do? What are the options? to get rid of and keep rid of fleas? Yeah. Well, the best thing to do is obviously talk to your veterinarian and let them prescribe an effective flea control product for your cat. And then once your cat is on this product, leave them on this product year round. And I think that's really important in that, that, in that regard. Remember how rapidly they can reproduce. So, you know, if you're giving your product every month and then all of a sudden you forget and fleas jump on that cat, within 24 hours, they're laying eggs. And now you've got this whole cycle going over again. And now you got to you know, shut it out, uh, which can really be a problem. If you have a flea infestation, you not only have fleas on your cat, you've also got this biomass of eggs and larvae and pupae developing in your environment somewhere. And that sometimes can take up to three months to eradicate out of your household. So it's much easier to prevent with regular administration of an effective veterinary prescribed flea product than is to wait till you have the problem and then try to basically stomp it out. Yeah, it took me three months to get rid of the problem that I got at my house. So I have lived your truth. 
So yeah, it really can be bad uh, in that regard. So I think the things we ought to think about is that, remember, this thing just kind of builds up. You know, those fleas are laying eggs, those eggs are developing, larvae, pupae, and then more fleas emerge, they jump on. And these cycles, these generations can happen very rapidly until you're really in a lot of trouble. So even if you don't see a flea on your cat, you could have a big problem in a really short time, I think. Well, you're absolutely right, you can. Several years ago, I worked with another group of people, and we actually did some computer modeling, and it appears that the average pet owner doesn't respond to fleas in their home and on their animal until you're into the second or third generation of fleas in your house. It takes time to build up. Uh, your cat is grooming those fleas off you know, by licking and scratching, and at some point, you react and you realize, oh my gosh, there's fleas here. And my cat's got fleas, it's scratching, it's biting, it's losing its hair. You know, people in the home are getting bit by fleas. And actually, by the time you notice that, you're probably two to three generations into that flea cycle. And that's why it can take you up to three months to get it out of your house. So if you talk to your veterinarian and you get a good flea product and you address the fleas on your pets, are there any tips or things that you need to do to address what's going on in your environment? Yes, there are some things that are really effective and help us in the environment. I'll tell you, there was a time we used to apply a lot of insecticides into our environment to try to manage that biomass, if you will, that eggs, the larvae, and pupae. We've really limited that compared to what we once did historically. So there's really a couple of things we really have to think about today that's really, really beneficial before we get into insecticide application in, into our carpets, if you will. The first thing is vacuum. Vacuuming is a critically important part of this. We know vacuuming does a variety of things. In fact, you know, some of these modern bagless vacuum systems have got, generated enough of a suction that they'll lift up out of the carpet significant numbers of eggs and larvae at a single pass, sometimes 30 to 40 percent when we do that. So what I recommend these owners do is vacuum all horizontal surfaces in your house once every other day until this problem is over. And then when you vacuum that day, then dispose of the contents of the bag. You don't really have to worry too much about it. But I think the other thing that's so markedly underappreciated is in most of our homes, our cats or even dogs are going to jump up and sleep on some chair or sofa cushion someplace. Well, in a lot of these homes, and again, we've done this in our studies in Florida, if you lift up those chair and sofa cushions, you will find eggs and larvae and pupae underneath those sofa cushions. That's where all those eggs have rolled. That's where all the species have rolled. And we forget to lift up the chair and sofa cushions and vacuum underneath there. So just, you know, attach the hose and apparatus and vacuum underneath those chair and sofa cushions. That makes a huge difference. The other thing we can do is we can wash all your bedding. You know, if there's bedding material, a pet bed, a throw rug, an area rug, or something that they're spending a lot of time on, we need to also take them through, through the washer and wash them. Places that pets spend most of the time are where most of the flea eggs are going to be deposited. And if we can wash that, we can kill all those life cycle stages. So just some physical, mechanical things can be greatly beneficial. You think if one of my listeners saw the items in the chair, would they know them? I mean, would they be able to recognize them as flea larvae and things? Or do you think it's just safe to just do it no matter what? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, I think some of them clearly could recognize them. You know, the small white eggs, they almost, you know, look like little, you know, sand. The larvae are crawling around there. You can, you know, if you get down there with a flashlight, you can see them. But I think you're, what you're getting at is absolutely correct. If you've got a flea problem on your cat or a dog for that matter, you should vacuum underneath all chair and sofa cushions that they jump up on. I think you should do it as a routine matter of that, of that cleaning process. Okay. So, so Dr. Dryden, I have a Roomba. 
What about my Roomba? That's like the robot vacuum and it goes, you know, on a schedule. Is there anything I need to do to that Roomba to keep it from being a source? Do you think the fleas can get up in there? I think if you, you know, when it's driving around doing its robotic thing in that house, it can clearly suck up uh, eggs and larvae that are in the environment, maybe even a flea or two. Now, it's not going to be as powerful as some of these, you know, larger vacuum systems, but it will clearly suck some stuff up. So I think if you do have a flea problem, you ought to be basically disposing of the conscience of that Roomba on a daily basis. Now, that's what I thought you would say. <laughs> I'm yep. not looking forward to that, but yeah, that's what I thought you would say. Okay, we're going to take a short break and come back with Dr. Dryden. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Katherine Prim, and I would like to make you aware of some products that I've discovered. Dr. Elsie's Pet Products. So you all know that I have a cat named Scamper, and Scamper is a little bit sensitive. So I have to choose sort of special stuff for Scamper. Dr. Elsie's Ultra Litter has been kind of a godsend for us. It's made with clean ingredients, and it's low on dust, so it sort of addresses the needs that Scamper personally has. You can feel really good about choosing Dr. Elsie's pet products because they're veterinarian formulated and they're tested. So they combine science and the love for pets to meet the needs of even the most sensitive pets like my Scamper. Here's the really good news. You can get a rebate. Dr. Elsie's will pay you up to $20 for your first bag of Ultra Litter or any Dr. Elsie's litter by visiting drelsies.com forward slash Dr. Cat. That's D-R-E-L-S-E-Y-S dot com forward slash Dr. Cat, which is D-R-K-A-T. So check it out. Give it a try and get up to $20 back. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So we're talking about creepy, crawly, itchy, gross fleas with Dr. Michael Dryden today. And so I have uncovered that I now need to clean out my Roomba every day. But I'm appreciating these tips and tricks that don't necessarily involve pesticides. So I'd like to kind of pick up where we left off. Vacuuming every day with a strong suction is one thing, right? What else would you say? Well, the other thing I mentioned is is basically washing all area rugs, throw rugs, any pet bedding that you've got. That's really, really important to do that as well. In addition, there actually is a fairly effective flea trap that's out there on the market, and you, and you can find it on Amazon, some other places. It's called actually it's called My Flea Trap, all one word. Actually, it's an intermittent light trapping system that we actually developed here at Kansas State University and patented back in 1993. The patent has long since expired. This patent expired in 2010. So I, I really I could talk about it because neither myself or the university makes any money off of it anymore. That's long since expired. But they're a highly effective. It, it was a special system that we invented here with a, an entomologist that actually tricks the flea into thinking that that trap is actually a dog or a cat. Fleas actually jump based upon host shadowing, which is really kind of strange. Most people don't know that. So the flea that we deal with on our cats and dogs, when it emerges out of the cocoon, actually orients into a light source and really only jumps once something interrupts that light source, in our case, a shadow from that standpoint. So what this trap does, it's on for several minutes and then goes off for about a second and comes right back on again. And then the fleas jump towards that trap. And it's extremely efficient in collecting fleas in a home. So I always tell pet owners, now, 
The trap by itself is never going to eradicate an infestation. You've got to have the flea control on the animal. That's critical. Okay, but every flea that's in that trap is one less flea that's on a dog or cat or a kid in that household. And we've had homes, and I'm not exaggerating, we've had homes where we've caught up to 2,000 fleas in a single night with those traps. That is fascinating. I didn't know about the shadow. So I love it. Can learn something new every day. So I have a big question for you, and I didn't prepare you, but are fleas resistant to our medications that we use to try to prevent and get rid of them? You know, that's a really good question. I would have to say yes at this point. I think some of the older, well, some of the older compounds are they're clearly problematic. Anything that is what we call a pyrethroid-based, a permethrin, pyrethrin, which are, a lot of the over-the-counter flea products are, fleas are rampantly resistant to those kind of compounds, and that's well known. Some of the newer compounds out there, if you look at some of our historic data from Florida, where we've been doing our work over the last 30 years, clearly we've seen a drop-off performance of things like uh, Advantage and Frontline. and even had an issue a couple of years ago with the, uh, the original Revolution formulation in cats. So we have seen some of those products that have been out there a while that their performance is not what we once wanted them to be. Whether we can actually document that that's truly genetic resistance or not, that becomes a little problematic. But when we go into our homes down there and we're using a product like Frontline, and at the end of a two-month period, we're going to reduce flea populations by 50%, that's not good. So clearly, it's not what they once were. And we're having much greater success with some of these newer category products today, like the, what we call the Asoxazolines the Brevecto, the Next Guards, the Sempiricas, the Cordelios, they seem to be performing remarkably better than some of the older stuff. Yeah, I agree um, that that's what I have seen in my practice. But I wanted to hear it from the mouth of Dr. Flea of what you were seeing in your lab. So before we wrap up, though, you mentioned some other parasites in our early minutes discussing, and I wanted to touch on those. There are some other things that are important to my cat-loving listeners. So let's circle back around and talk about, for example, heartworms. Well, you know, heartworm is a really devastating disease to cats. For years in the veterinary profession, we really talked about it as a dog, canine parasite, but it also gets into cats. Now, it doesn't get into cats as often as it gets into dogs. Um, you know, we know it's transmitted by mosquitoes. We know mosquitoes will feed them on dogs and cats. But cats tend to be a more tolerant type of a host for it. But the problem is, if heartworm gets into the cat, it's a much more devastating disease than it is in a dog. And I think that's where we have to understand the reality of this. So, yes, many more dogs get heartworm than cats. But if cats do get heartworm, they frequently have much more severe disease than dogs do because they're not a natural host, and the body reacts fairly violently, if you will, immunologically to that presence. So I'm a firm believer, and I'm a cat guy myself. I'm often known as that. I mean, I've, I've got a cat at home right now, and I'm kind of known as a cat guy, and I have never understood why we don't protect cats against heartworm to the level we prevent dogs, recognizing that if a cat gets heartworms, it's going to be a really a devastating disease in that animal. Well, I agree. And so I encourage all my listeners to talk to their veterinarian about different options on products and ways to protect cats. Because, of course, your relationship with your own veterinarian who knows you and your cat is a valuable one. So I can't emphasize that enough. Dr. Dryden, what about ticks? I hear a lot of people say, my cat doesn't get ticks. Well, you know, that's a really common uh, sentiment out there that cats don't get ticks, but they do. I think one of the things we reason we don't see as many ticks on cats as we do on dogs is they're so good at grooming. They tend to groom them off fairly rapidly, but they are getting exposed to ticks. They are getting exposed to tick transmit disease. It just We may not recognize it early enough because they're grooming these ticks off. So it's also fairly regional. There are some places that ticks are pretty devastating to cats and other places not quite as bad, but we need to recognize that 
cats are out when they're outside are basically going into places the ticks are at and they're getting exposed to ticks. And the other thing is often cats are getting exposed to the immature stages of ticks versus dogs often are getting the adults. Cats frequently get the nymphs of some of these tick species and the nymphs are much smaller and harder to see. That also contributes to the fallacy that cats don't get ticks. So yeah, they're important. And there's several diseases out there that ticks carry in the United States that can kill cats. So yeah, we need to protect our cats. So again, ask your veterinarian about products to cover both teas and flicks. No, fleas and ticks. <laughs> and you mentioned also ear mites. So ear mites are something that I see in some of my kitten patients. And they're, of course, parasites too. Can you touch on those real fast? Oh, I sure can. You know, ear mites are very small mites that actually live in the ear canals of cats and sometimes spill over on the outside of the ears. They're very, very common in cats. In fact, I think we're increasingly understanding that they are actually a cat parasite that may occasionally spill over onto dogs. So if you actually look at some of the serial surveys that have been done, it appears that over 80% of all cats sometime in their life are exposed to ear mites, where probably less than 10% of dogs are. So this is truly a common cat parasite that is really painful. When you think about having mites crawl around in your, in your ear canals and all the irritation that's going to cause, and they are completely preventable. We have a number of extremely effective products today that not only treat, but can be you know, can prevent ear mites in cats. And again, as Dr. Cat has said, talk to your veterinarian about this and get your cat on a product that will prevent this from ever happening. Well, I don't know if it's true or not. I'm going to ask you if you've ever heard of it, but I heard a story about an old-timey veterinarian that wanted to know if ear mites could live in his ears. Did you hear that? Well, believe it or not, there was a veterinarian a number of years ago that actually took ear mites out of, I think, out of a cat and put them in his own ear and then described the sensation of these mites in his ear. And believe it or not, that was actually published as a letter to the editor in JAVA at one time which I thought was kind of crazy, but obviously this veterinarian experienced great discomfort. He was far more dedicated than I am. I would never do that. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. As far as I go, I will taste some of the things that I give to my patients on occasion, but that's about as far as I go. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going that far either. Well, it was really fun and, and educational. Even learned something else about fleas. So I thank you so much. You're really busy, and I appreciate getting to talk with you today. And I always thank our producer, Mark Winter, and my terrific cat loving listeners for joining me here on Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So, thanks again, Dr. Dryden. Well, thank you all very much. I really appreciate the. Uh, the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners today. Everybody just have a great day. Real quick, if somebody wanted to find out more about you and what you do, and where could they look for you? Well, it's actually pretty easy. If you go to uh, virtually any search engine, Google or Yahoo, whatever, and just type in my name, Dr. Michael Dryden, or quite frankly, Dr. Flea, my various uh, websites will pop up. Great. Well, that's great. And as always, listeners, if you have a question, you can't find him. You can always comment on my social media, Facebook, Catherine Prim DVM, or Instagram, or Twitter, and I will get your question forwarded on to Dr. Dryden. And I want my listeners to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.